Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. What's going on, my friends? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James, and I'm pumped to be here with you kicking it in the diner. Y'all, this is what you know about me. If you've been listening to the show, you know there is one thing that I consistently crap on, and it's the state of New Jersey. So I'm now defying all odds and having a guest from the state of New Jersey just to show you that I talk shit, but I still show love, you know, because I love Jersey. Here's the problem. I grew up on Long Island and the Long Island and New Jersey are basically the same exact population. And that's why we make fun of ourselves. We try to pretend like we are different, but we are not. We're just trying to find differences. Alas, my friends, Jersey is New York. I don't want to talk about it ever again, but we're going to jump in with my boy, Tom McGovern. Tom and I have met only a few times, but each time has been memorable. I've heard his beautiful chops. I have got to witness him perform. He's got to see me perform. We freestyled together. Uh, I do a little freestyle rap. I don't talk a lot about that on here, but anyway, but still, uh, I just, there's just, you meet somebody and like, there's something about this dude. And uh, I think you'll see that there is just something about him. But let me tell you about him before we bring him out. He is a musical comedian, actor, producer. And yes, he was born in New Jersey. His award-winning musical sketch comedy has been featured in festivals across the U.S., Europe. And you may have caught him in an off-Broadway show as Jim Halpert slash Andy Bernard in The Office, a musical parody. Tom recently won the grand prize in the Glad Jingle Contest. Put that in your Ziploc bag. And was featured on season four of American Idol. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, He got to perform one of his jingles for Katy Perry. Uh, Speaking of plastic bags, um, Lionel Richie and Luke Bryan. (laughs) Tom's got a brand new comedy band out called the Wolves of Glendale. Check them out on Instagram, Wolves of Glendale. They're playing a bunch of shows on the West Coast. Uh, And also, Tom made a point to tell me that, James, make sure when you introduce me, you say that sharks deserve more love in the media. Well, this is the media, friends. So here we are. I'm doing what we got to do. And I agree as a marine biology major. But enough about me. Let's learn more about Tom. Bring him out right now. My guy, Tom McGovern. Whoa. Okay. Uh, I mean, a lot to acknowledge right off the bat. First of all, unbelievable introduction. I could have listened to 15 more minutes of that. Okay. Second of all, I don't even know where to start. Can we start with the, before we dig into any of my boring uh, BS here, marine biology major? Yes, sir. Yeah, I have a Bachelor of Science in Marine Biology what that's a fun fact right there yeah when i was when in high school i had to make a decision if i wanted to go to school for marine biology because i wanted to be the next jacques Cousteau, right. um, or if i wanted to go to school for theater um and i told myself i said i think that i should get a degree in something that's more concrete and mm-hmm. then if theater or the stage is in my life then that's really more about having enough talent and putting yourself in front of the right people so i don't necessarily need a degree for that this is yeah. what i thought in high school i've since learned that that there is some value in theater degrees so don't mm-hmm. i'm not shitting on everybody with those degrees right now right. but that's why i went to school for marine biology respect man that is very cool that was a dream ironically we kind of have both sides of the same coin because that i was going to go one of two ways it was either going to be theater or marine biology Uh and i decided started as journalism switched to theater halfway through but i ended up with a theater degree so that's so funny incredible that's awesome yeah i could have switched halfway through around my junior year i realized i was putting too many jokes in my scientific papers (laughs) my teachers were like i don't think this is for you and i was like you know what i think you're right um and uh but i was already almost done so we just went ahead and finished the race wow uh fell across the finish line did not finish with flying colors but we got it done we got it done (laughs) that's what life is isn't it (laughs) it is it is indeed (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just falling across the finish line. <laughs> At least you made it. At least you made it. At least you made it. Yeah. Hey, look, mom, I made it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, brother. Yeah, that's a fun fun fact about me that probably hasn't come up in our casual conversations. Yeah, that's. Uh, I had no idea. I love yeah. sharks, so like anytime that I meet a marine biologist, I am I have the utmost respect, and yes. I'm fascinated. 
So, mm-hmm. and that's if I pursued marine biology and real and thought about maybe wanting to do research, um, it, I wanted to go into ichthyology, which is the study of fishes and mm-hmm. sharks was the goal. I wanted to study sharks and, oh uh, and, and, and so, yeah, so I am here for shark week is yeah. the best week of the year. Of course. Um, I don't know why it's not shark month, you know, I mean, yeah, when does a I shark know. get its own month, you know? Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yes, I agree. When did your fascination with shark start? Was it, did you go to, you know, you're from Jersey. Did you go to the, the Camden Aquarium and see them? Did you just Hell watch yeah. TV? Like, what was it? Yeah, I think it started when I was a kid. My mom's sister was very into, she was into fishing. She was in marine life. My grandfather was a uh, a captain on a on a charter boat and awesome. so he used to he used to go out onto the water all the time i was too young to really experience that with him before he passed away but we did go out on the boat a couple times anytime we we're in his house he had this big office and the office was like wood paneled it looked like the as it the should whole, be yeah the inside <laughs> hole of a ship it smelled like cigars and there were pictures of you know marine life and all sorts of stuff and and so I think it wasn't even an active, like, you should appreciate um, marine life kind of thing. I think just by osmosis, I developed an appreciation for fish and for the ocean. Mm-hmm. I've always felt kind of connected to, if I had to choose an element, uh, water would be my element. Yeah, yeah. I just always felt kind of connected. And growing up in Jersey, by the Jersey Shore and stuff like that, uh, the beach was always part of my life. And then there's something about sharks that I just found really, I still find fascinating mm-hmm. um they're just i think they're they're the perfect uh close to a perfect creature slash predator so i think it's pretty rad they are incredible yeah uh, yeah for sure i love that man what a cool story you know it's my grandfather <laughs> was not a uh wasn't a, a charter fisherman or anything like that he was just obsessed with fishing yeah. um, but i also lost him too soon um and uh he died when i was seven um and so some of the few memories that i have are of fishing with him um and uh and he wasn't a cigar guy he was a pipe guy there you um, go. And so now whenever I don't, I don't know if this is the same for you whenever you smoke cigars does it does it take you back to that office almost immediately because whenever anytime i smell I, a pipe it takes me right back to his front porch yep anytime i smell it just like you said it's yeah. just uh also that's the most grandpa shit in the world a pipe and a cigar it's just I'm like, into it I'm into i hope it. i hope when we're grandfathers we're over there you're puffing pipe and that big doggy <laughs> that's how we know um, we'll make that's how we know we've done right right full yep. circle yep yep <clears throat> yeah I love that, man. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I just went to the Atlanta Aquarium recently, uh, and uh, the Atlanta—I don't know if you've been to it. Oh yeah, uh, but they have the the whale sharks, which are incredible. Um, right. They are now, I believe, the only—they um, are also now currently the only aquarium that has tiger sharks. Um, which is really oh, yeah. cool. They have a new shark exhibit and they got these uh, hammerheads swimming around and tiger sharks and a few, a few others. It's an incredible, incredible exhibit. Wow. That's so. it's easily my favorite aquarium that I've ever been to. It, oh, yeah. The tank is amazing. It's top notch. Top notch. Yeah, top, Excellent. Top well, notch that's tank. That's a good, uh, that's a good time to bring up one of our sponsors, uh, the Atlanta Aquarium. Uh, it's not, it's not true. I wish it was. I should work on that. Actually, that'd be. I get a referral sick. code for that. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> I'll yeah, help you in any way. In any way I can, I'll, I'll you. help you. Yeah. Thank you. That's on the record. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, Tom, like you mentioned, you grew up grew up in Jersey. What part of Jersey did you grow up in? Little town called Allentown. It's right near Six Flags. Allentown. Okay. Not by six flags. Yep. So kind of, if there was a central Jersey, that's where you grew up. Oh, uh, but- James. <laughs> Are you a non-believer? Are you a non-believer in the central? I just, I just know it's a shit talking thing or in drowned Jersey. <laughs> yes, um, so I like to pick fights where I can. Um, <laughs> now are you, uh, are you pork roll or Taylor ham? Pork roll. What do you, what do you think this is? Come on. <laughs> I'm not a lunatic. <laughs> Not a lunatic. Pork roll. Oh, God. I don't even know how to describe that argument to the listeners. So yeah. maybe I don't know if you want to give it a shot, you can. But yeah, I don't even I, know if it's worth it. Here, I'll try to sum it up. Pork roll and Taylor ham are the same exact thing, but for some reason, people that uh, live in—correct me if I'm wrong—if you know, I think the northern half of New northern Jersey generally Taylor chooses ham. Taylor ham, and the southern mm-hmm. chooses pork roll. 
I consider myself smack dab in the middle, but I guess it's South Central if I had to choose. Uh, and so it's always in pork roll. On all the menus in my town, it's pork roll. So. Mm -hmm. Same exact thing. Just a, it's a random thing yeah. that Jersey is like, hey, you know, we like to fight. Let's figure out yeah. another way we can fight. <laughs> yeah, let's, um, make up, <laughs> let's make an issue that yeah, has to do make, with a, a breakfast yeah. meat. <laughs> yep, exactly. Now, this is kind of what we're talking about with, uh, as you heard in my intro, about New Yorkers and Long Islanders in particular and right. people from Jersey. Uh, that's kind of the same thing, Taylor Ham and Pork Roll, uh, where it's the same exact shit, but we just give each other crap. Um, <laughs> Does Long Island have that? Does Long Island have the Pork Roll Taylor Ham split? Or do no, it doesn't. Split? I'm just trying to. I'm using that as an analogy. Oh, um, I see. I see. But uh, yeah, Long Island. I mean, Taylor Ham is. If we do have anything, it would be Taylor Ham. Uh, but it's usually just bacon or Canadian yeah. bacon or whatever. So, right. but yeah. But anyway, so growing up in Jersey, yeah. you're in Allentown, um, no stranger to a diner, my friend, especially because you also spent many years of your life living in New York City. Um, mm -hmm. And so here's my question that I got to ask, brother. What is your late night diner move? What do you get? And you and I, after a show, we're leaving uh, whatever that's green, whatever it is in, the, in Times Square, um, mm -hmm. and we're going to a diner. What do we get? Okay. I'm not a complicated man, James. I get a, a traditional, once it hits 11, I basically, 11 p.m., I usually circle back to breakfast. 80% yep. of the time, I'm going classic scrambled eggs, crispy bacon, hash browns, side of wheat toast dry with some grape jelly. Can't go wrong. Decaf coffee. I'll, I'll have that 80% of the time. If for some reason I need something a little more savory, it's always going to be a grilled chicken wrap with honey mustard, lettuce, tomato, red onion, side of crispy fries or sweet potato fries if they have them but it's only one of those two things that's it that's all we're doing that's it what's the, what, what is the rest of this 14 page menu even for <laughs> i don't, I don't understand it right yeah who's yeah, ordering yeah. this who's ordering the t-bone back here who's getting a <laughs> who's getting a gimlet of anything back here um <laughs> who is getting a steak at a diner have you ever met someone that's done that I have, like, yeah. They did, at least they did steak and eggs, which I feel like is like okay. the yeah. yeah, it's like the least classy way to order steak. Exactly. Um, and therefore, yeah. But anyway, but still, um, <laughs> I yeah. I respect the order. I sometimes do scramble with cheese if I'm feeling a little edgy. Okay. Um, the dry toast was in, in, intriguing to me. Dry toast, no butter. No. Um, and then we're doing great a classic grape jelly on there. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a great boy. I'm a great boy. I'm a great boy. <laughs> I read that. I read that actually. Um, <laughs> Tom McGovern, great boy from Southern New Central New Jersey. Yeah. I just said Southern. What the fuck? Oh, geez. Look at that. That's uh, I already see a, a song coming out about being great boys. Great yeah. boys, throw your hands up. Strawberries, sit down. <laughs> great boys, throw your hands up. Throw your hands up. <laughs> um i love it uh so um okay that's a that's a classic order now when it comes to your hash browns i order my you said you order your bacon crispy i also order my hash browns crispy because i'm not trying to just chew on like a raw potato right yeah that's interesting know. i've never considered doing that but mm -hmm. now i regret it if i get home fries i'll ask for crispy home fries but for yep. some reason i never think to ask for crispy hash browns so yeah I like my Next spuds time. crispy. And actually in a recent episode of this podcast, I talked to a French fry connoisseur and, uh, and we, uh, we were talking about how steak fries are the least uh, superior of the French fries because of their lack Agreed. of crisp. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's mostly just potato. It's basically just a mashed potato wrapped in a little shell of, of crisp. Thank you. But, Thank yeah. you. So yeah, you get it. All right. Well, we don't yeah. need to rehash that yeah. out. Yeah. Um, well, we don't need to rehash brown that out. Um, yeah. All right. I regret everything. Let's keep moving. Um, <laughs> so uh, so I love it, man. So growing up, growing up in Allentown, what was what was your childhood like, man? What uh, you know, you, you got siblings. Are your, your parents in your life? You know, uh, I don't. I, I say all those things sensitively, just in case there's something that I don't know. But you know, yeah. tell me tell me about growing up. Yeah, I've got a. I'm one of four siblings, so okay. I have uh, one of four children. I have three siblings. Older brother named Drew. He's a doctor of physical therapy. Then there's me, and then I have two younger sisters. Sam is uh, is a preschool teacher in Jersey, and Tori uh, is a nursing assistant. She got a a neuroscience degree from Pitt. So uh, I'm the uh, how do you say dumb one 
that decided to go artsy. for theater arts. Oh yeah, artsy. That's an <laughs> interesting way to pronounce dumb names. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, both my parents are still in my life. My mom, my dad, incredibly supportive from the beginning. Mm-hmm. When I decided I wanted to switch to theater, they said, "What are you waiting for? Go for it." So, growing up, you know, is it loud, super loud house, uh, really tight family unit. I'm really, I'm really uh, fortunate and blessed to have had that. I kind of had the wind behind my back. Kind of had the the wind on my back my entire life, uh, and I'm really, I'm really uh, grateful for that. So, and it's all because of my the unit. So, the family unit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love the way you put that, the wind behind your back. That's, uh, I, I, I grew up very similarly with the wind behind my back. Um, and, uh, and some of that is that, that camaraderie of family, some of it's privilege, some of it's, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, well, well put for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful, man. So, so you're number two in line. Um, and, uh, you got some, some siblings that are doing some cool stuff. And when you were growing up was, was, I know you at one point you said you made the decision to follow theater, but like was, was acting where like, you know, you see the loud family or you, are you all putting on shows for your parents behind the couch and doing puppet shows? Like was, was acting was theater, even though you didn't call it that always a part of, of you. Yeah. I think that, I mean, music was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty instrumental part of my growing up. No one really played music. My mom was a singer, but there was always music playing in my house. Mm-hmm. We always had little dance parties where we'd put on. I specifically remember for some reason it was like a, a Little Mermaid mixtape. And, yes. uh, there, you know, there's like I, I just remember Sebastian had a song that was just a ripper. And we just used to throw it on and dance around regularly. Uh, it, tons of home videos of us just goofing off. So when I got to middle school, I think fourth grade or fifth grade, we did uh, like a little middle school version of a musical. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then once we started doing real shows in sixth grade, we did The Music Man. Seventh grade, we I forget what we did. I did Annie in eighth grade and I just fell in love with it. Yeah. And then in high school, I did musicals. But my brother was an athlete. And so when I got to high school, he's two years older than me. He was a junior and I was a freshman he was already flying colors through basically every sport that he touched. So when I got in, I was not known as Tom. I was known as Drew's brother and Mm. I was expected to be an athlete. And so I played football. We went 0 and 12. Nice. Nice. (laughs) I I didn't, I didn't contribute or I rather I did contribute to the, to that record. Uh, And then in the spring semester, I ran track. I pole vaulted. I cleared seven, six, one time. You start at seven and you go up in increments of six. So it's not an impressive height. <laughs> and, and then the, the next fall, I, I auditioned for Thoroughly Modern Millie and I booked Jimmy, which is the, the it was a, the lead role for the dude. And then I fell in love with it. And that was it. There's no, no going back. So no going back. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, did you know, like as a as a younger brother, did you know that your brother was a stud even before you got to high school? Was he someone that you looked up to? Was someone that you appreciated? What kind of an older brother was he? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we definitely we definitely butted heads until college, and we like we got along, and there was always like I said, like a really my dad really reinforced like you you have your family's back all the time. Sunday was always family day. Family comes first, no matter what. Our whole lives is like that. So like obviously, I loved my brother. But like any teenage boys that live in the same house, you're going to get on each other's nerves. Oh, and yeah. we shared we shared a room our entire lives. So oh, wow. we, had, we had bunk beds when we were kids. And then through high school, his bed was in the corner of a room. My bed was in the corner of the room. So like I, I that also uh, another conversation helped me later in, in college to have roommates and learn how to share a space with people and whatnot. Yeah, of but, course. Yeah, I mean, I always admired him and looked up to him because he's my older brother and I thought he was badass and he's always been like super strong and, you know, just a, a great older brother. But I used to take his clothes all the time because I valued that. I used to wear his hats and he loved his hats. He used to get so pissed off and, you know, we used to get on each other's nerves, but I, I definitely do did and do respect him. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to find those ways. You got to needle at people, right? We can't just let yeah. people get away with being great. Of course. Um, <laughs> of course. 
everybody's got someone who could take him down a peg. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I, and I would imagine as someone who never had a roommate, um, even in college, I didn't have a roommate because what? for some reason they put the out of state students in these apartments on campus, even though I asked to be in a residence hall because I wanted the community. I'm an yeah. extrovert. They put us in like it's four single bedroom apartment um, and uh, my first year. And then after that, I was an RA. Um, Dude, so what? I did, I never had a roommate until I moved in, um, with, uh, a previous partner of mine. So did you, two things I want to talk about, Let's did go. you, first one, did you hate living alone as a freshman? Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. What was, was that like? Wild, I was wildly homesick. Of course. Yeah. I was. I mean, and fortunately, there were there were two. There were four people in the apartment. It was one junior and three freshmen. So that was nice that there were two other freshmen in there. One of them is still. I was his best man. I just surprised him for his fortieth oh. birthday in Chicago, and so he and I have continued to be friends. The other guy, I think we still would be friends. We just fell out of touch. He's a great dude. No beef. No anything. Um, right. Just you know, life took us different ways, <clears throat> and yeah. uh, and so, uh, but yeah. But it was my first, I was miserable in my first year, despite being an extroverted, outgoing, genuinely curious, funny guy. Um, I was wildly homesick my first year and questioned a lot. Um, I didn't put myself out there. I told myself a lot of stories of, you not cool enough, funny enough, smart enough, right? Like all the insecurities came out because I was in a place that was new and everybody there knew someone from high school because I went to a state school in North Carolina. Um, but I'm from New York. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, there was just a lot, I wrote a lot of stories and didn't put myself out there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what happened, man. Fortunately we came around and I fell, fell absent after I got involved. This is why people tell students to get involved, right? Is that it takes you from being a, a participant in the college experience to being an owner of your college experience. And that's, you know, getting involved in res life and becoming an RA yeah. literally flipped the script to the point where I then worked at colleges and universities and still do a lot of work in that industry. Yeah, that's amazing. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about. I didn't know you were, we have a, a couple parallels that I had no idea. I was also an RA for two years. Yes. Yeah. You were temple. Well, go owls. Go owls. Yeah, baby. There it is. <laughs> look spoke, at that. I've spoken there a few times. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right go in downtown out. Philly. That's dope. <clears throat> that's it, man. That's it. Yeah. Uh, was being an RA, how would you describe that experience looking back at it? Did you like it? Did it, did it have an impact on you? Yeah, absolutely had an impact on me. It pushed me out of my comfort zone for sure. I, yeah. I lived in, there's a residence hall on Temple's campus called 1300. I was a resident in 1300 freshman year. I was an RA there sophomore and junior year. So I was in the same building all three years, which is great. My first year as an RA, I was this sophomore with swishy hair. I wore bandanas all the time. And they put me <laughs> in charge of uh, the top floor of the res, one of the wings of the top floor, which were all juniors and seniors in athletic programs. Yeah. So like basketball players and football players. And then there was me, this skinny little sophomore theater kid who was supposed to be <laughs> the RA that advised and looked over this hall of who of people that seemed like full grown adults to me. And yeah, I was I'm like, sure. what it, it was super uncomfortable for like mm -hmm. the first two months, simply because as you know, as someone who also went through it, the process of trying to learn how to be a good RA and learn all of the do's and don'ts. And then also just to like, you know, be there uh, as a confidant or like someone that they could turn to. It was just hard to come into that as a sophomore who was also drowning in insecurities at the time <laughs> yeah, right. uh so that was that was tough but then the, the next year i had freshmen and i and then i became very close with four other ras on my staff and we used to it just felt like one year of a sleepover honestly it was just like we That's used to awesome. just play video games in each other's rooms we were hanging out with the residents we were like you know spending time the resident a lot of residents became friends uh mm -hmm. that we still all talk to to this day it was a very yeah. special experience i wouldn't trade it for the world that's beautiful, man. Yeah. That's so freaking cool. Uh, yeah, I love that. And yeah, you're right. That, that first year, that first year of leadership is weird, regardless yeah. of who's on your floor. You had an exceptional because I mean Temple, that's a D one school, right? So um, these, yeah. these you got some you got some big boys walking around. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, you know people with full grown beards. Meanwhile, you're barely poking out a, a pube. Um, yeah, I and, still to this day, <laughs> to this day, <laughs> to this very day, my downfall. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah <laughs> but uh yeah it was uh 
it was a wildly transformative time. Like I now, I, you know, I, I'm a professional speaker. I know you know that. And I talk predominantly about leadership and I am able to talk about leadership because of my experience that started as an RA. Yeah. Um, and I still, even uh, there, <laughs> I don't know if this is a good thing to say or, or not on here, but, um, but I, uh, I, teach stories from when I was an RA and I just flip a few details around to make it sound like I was leading a team and this is what I was going through. And I now tell corporate audiences a few of my RA stories, yeah. but I make them sound as if they were, you know, I was 32 as a brand new manager, right? right. Because leadership is leadership, right? Exactly. It's still humans and there's still, uh, yeah, there's still, it, yeah, I don't know, but at the same time, egos are involved. So you don't always want to tell the audience that like this guy's telling us freaking high school stories over here. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, but, uh, but it was, I, I mentioned that cause it was such a transformative time. My wife likes to joke and says, I think we would have a twin extra long bed in our bedroom if James could. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I agree. It's a good, it's a good length bed. Um, yeah, it, is. it does the job. It's, it's all you need for one person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, with a partner, it gets a little dicey, but gets a little dicey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I was wildly single for most of my college career. Um, <laughs> we love to see it. You love to see you it. You love to see it. But I also I appreciate what you said, where it's like, you know, we're still close to this day with, with a lot of those folks. Um, I'm actually, I, I wound up working as a, a resident, a hall director um, after college. Um, oh and yeah, I got a master's in, in counseling with an emphasis in, in working with college students and wound up working as a hall director for a while. Um, and I'm officiating one of my old RA's weddings in May. Um, and and so like, it's just, right? Like just, I don't know, it's just, the community that you build is really beautiful because you're living in the same space. You're seeing the same things. You're going through yeah. the same stuff and you make the choice of like, are we going to lean, are we going to lean on each other or are we going to isolate? And exactly. it's beautiful to hear that, that you found a really cool community there. Yeah. Yeah. Where you and I are both very lucky in that regard. I think not a lot of people get to experience that in college right away. You know, yes. so <clears throat> Yeah, I agree. I could nerd out about this for a while, but I got yeah. We got to keep it pushing. Um, that's, that's very cool, man. I did not know yeah. that. That's that's awesome. That's, that's a dope. Cool. Yeah, that was a dope a dope thing to have in yeah. common. So yeah. you wind up you go. So you go to Temple. Did you go to Temple with the idea of I'm going to study theater? No, I actually started as a journalism major. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that earlier. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When I uh, was about to graduate high school, I knew that's what I want. I wanted to study theater, but my guidance counselor in high school said if you go for theater, you're never going to get a job. You should do something else, which I guess is the guidance counselor's job. But also like why if you have if I was a guidance counselor and there was a kid in my shoes who had uh, done the musicals with great success uh, for three years in mm -hmm. high school and wanted to go to college to own his skill set, why would you not? support that uh, to this day i just don't understand mrs boast i think you i think you you missed a, a pitch on that one uh but it, this is not not about mrs boast all this to say let's, go, I went let's, to, let's fire up cancel culture on yeah, mrs. Can, boast that's right <laughs> can you let's drop a go. graphic matter hashtag yeah. cancel boast <laughs> no she's a lovely woman i wish her very very well i haven't talked to her in over a decade uh but yeah, I got to college, did three semesters of journalism, and I just remember specifically, I there was a a night that I was in my XL twin bed in my RA room on, with all my athletes, and I was reading a book, and I literally it was a journalism book, and I put it down. And I was like, I can't do this. This is like not what I want to do. And that night, I went online and I looked at the curriculum for theater, and then I talked to my friends and I called my parents two days later, and they're like, Do it, go for it. And luckily, I was able to use nine of the 12 journalism credits I already had to put them towards gen ed requirements for my theater degree. So oh, I was able great. to get out on time in 2014, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's dope. <clears throat> uh, so in in studying theater, uh, was it were you interested in doing musicals? Ideally, were you straight plays like, you know, when, when you thought about theater dreams at that time, what do they look like? Yeah, I think I was always more attracted to TV and film, straight play acting. Yeah. But I sang in acapella groups my entire four years of college. And yeah, I, you did. I, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, dude. Let me say, this is pre-pitch perfect when maybe 
you know, I was I was drinking the Kool Aid, but I it felt like a cool thing at the time. <laughs> In retrospect, I'm sure it was whack whack as hell, but I'm at the here time, for it. you got it. All of us were so psyched on it. I was in a co-ed group and an all-male group. We had a blast. I did that for all four years. I grew up playing in bands with my buddies. Music was an instrumental part of my life. And so when I switched to theater, the the girl, uh, a good friend of mine to this day named Katie, who's actually in LA right now, she helped me get into the theater program. She was a diehard musical theater major. And so my circle kind of became musical theater. And so I, I was kind of subconsciously drifted into the musical theater lane, even though to this day, it's really not something that I love. I just don't connect with traditional musical theater like some people do, like my yeah. girlfriend does. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's <laughs> <laughs> playing Alpha on the national tour or just finished. Uh, and so I, I did two musicals at Temple and then going to New York after graduation, I found myself auditioning for musical theater. And it took me six months to a year in New York to realize that I'm walking upstream. This is like not what I want to do. I did it at school because my friends did. And that I, I, I think it was a combination of me switching late to theater and trying to just like find my footing and, and really find what my artistic voice was. And it took me until I was 27 to really figure it out. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of rumbling and tumbling for a couple of years there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. You know, you, you, you brought up a, a powerful word when you were talking about, uh, when you were talking about your first year of being an RA and I can hear it kind of coming up a little bit now as well. You talked about some of the insecurities, um, and, uh, and, and, and you're right as, as you, as I mentioned, being a first year college student, I was wildly insecure, didn't go up to anybody, didn't seek to build community, just kind of hoped it would come to me, uh, because I was, you know, I don't know, was afraid that I wouldn't be liked. Um, and, uh, and, and so going into theater, theater is fascinating because it's the island of misfit toys a lot of times. Uh, but at the same time, it's the it's the tightest crew you're ever going to be with. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, shit, we found each other. This is beautiful. Right. Mm -hmm. I did all the musicals in high school um, as in Guys and Dolls and Carousel and, uh, and a handful of others, too, that I can't recall right now. But anyway, but like I did all the plays did all. the, And so um, and in high school, like that was the crew that I that I rolled with <clears throat> and uh, would have done more in college. But I went to the theater department in my in my at my school to see if I could audition just to do a play on the side. And there, the guy literally told me, you will never get cast as anything more than a tree. If you're not a theater major. Oh my like, God. Damn. Like I'd never seen anything. I'd never auditioned knew any. I was, like, I was like, and that was enough for me. I was like, okay, great. Well, I don't want to be a tree. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'd be a damn good tree, sir, but yeah, still, damn right. um, <laughs> but, but yeah. And so that kind of, put the kibosh on that which is why i was grateful to have found improv in college and you know to your acapella was my improv and uh and we we find our people but mm -hmm. you know during that time that you were revisiting slash cultivating and growing your love for theater what were some of those insecurities that you have what were some of those thoughts that were swirling in your head that were potentially holding you back Oh man, I mean, am I uh am I a good enough singer? Am I attractive enough, which unfortunately is a big part of uh yeah. theater, TV, film, whatever. Do I have what it takes to find uh to dip into the emotional well to to connect in a way that makes me a good actor? Uh, you know, there are other people that look like me that are getting jobs that I think I might be able to get, you know, just like jumping into the theater pond at all, which my whole life I've been told was incredibly difficult to do and a reckless decision to make, you know, mm -hmm. the, the list of insecurities go on and on. And some of those insecurities have lasted. They've left their mark to this very day. Yeah. It's just, I, I think, and I'm sure obviously you can speak to this too. The older you get, I think the let, are we allowed to curse here? Please fucking do. Yeah. Okay. The less, <laughs> the less fucks you give, it just like, it doesn't, it really yeah. doesn't matter. Yes. Uh, but it's taken me into my, I, I'm, I turned 30 in a couple of months. It's taken me this long to get to a place for the first time where like, if I go to an open mic or if I audition for something, I just don't give a shit what, how people might interpret what I'm doing. If it's, yeah. if it's authentic to me and if it feels exciting or if it feels fun if I, it makes me laugh, 
I've only now this year in my life gotten to a point where I'm just like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> this is yeah. uh, you. Some people are going to like it. Some people aren't. And, and I think for a long time, switching to theater in my early 20s, I thought that I needed to please everyone. Mm-hmm. And I spent my first couple of years in New York feeling that way, too. And I think that's why I didn't really work that much is because I was trying to conform to what I thought people wanted. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't just like following my own instincts uh, directly enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. That was beautifully put, brother, uh, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. And I also want to, like, let's let's call attention to this because you said that you switched your, you know, sophomore junior year into being a theater major, and so let's call that ten years or so of right. of sitting in, of sitting in the idea of trying to uh, please people or he- letting the nose hit you in a way that they slowed you down or deflected you or caused you to doubt or what well, all the things that nose will tell us. Um, and, uh, building that skin is something that all actors have to do. All musicians have to do. Uh, but they never talk about how long it's going to take, right? I took a, a Brooke and Mary commercial auditioning class. Um, and so uh, right? of what the hell? we all did. We all did, brother. And so, and they told us in that class, like, you need to hear no 50 times before you start getting comfortable with just showing up at auditions. And yeah. that, that number of 50, is different for everybody. Like, you know, for some people it's 150 for other people, it's five because they just come in with a thick skin. Like here I am. Um, and that, that was never me, right? My Achilles heel is I have a deep desire for people to like me. Um, and it's, it's something, as you mentioned, that still affects me today. As I turn, I'm turning 40 this year. Um, right. And you're, and you're, you're turning 30 and, and it's just, it's something that we hold on to. It's a story that is hard to rewrite. And I think it's incredible that you have this year, realized and been able to see in yourself that you are rewriting it. Um, what do you think, what was the difference maker for you? Is it, is it like, what was the final, like enough, right? I'm, I'm done. I'm good enough. Either you like me or you don't, I'm still coming as me. Yeah. Like, was there a switch that flipped? Was it getting an accolade of, of like, Hey, good enough for American Idol. Good enough for you. Shitty commercial whatever um, yeah. person, right? Like, like what, like, what was it? Yeah, I think yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I honestly can't trace it back to a specific instance of anything. Like, I don't think that there was one moment. Yeah. I think just recently, I think it was a combination of the shutdown of quarantining and realizing, holy shit, like we could lose all of this at any time. Why am I not, going balls to the wall, just leaning in and owning who I am and just trying to create whatever it is that I love to create because I may not always have the opportunity to share that, as cheesy as that may sound. Yeah, uh, I think also in combination of just like making my own stuff, and by stuff I mean like musical comedy, short form videos, stuff like that, uh, writing these songs. I've done it for long enough now, three, four years consistently, that I know that I, I'm pretty good at it and i think it's just a combination of like putting time into that lane and realizing that no one's ever gonna like come out of the blue and 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 serve you an opportunity in a silver platter uh because you are trying to fit a mold i I just think it's basically it's a long way of saying just time just time i'm in my late 20s about to turn 30 and i just don't give a fuck anymore it's like there's no time to waste there's you know it's like you can i've tried I, i spent four years trying to to make myself into someone that i don't really think uh that i uh what's that i don't what's an articulate way to say this um yeah, just tried to make myself into someone that I wasn't. And and fit, over time, fit I, yeah, I fit a mold. Tried to fit a mold, which I guess I already said. But yeah, too much time doing that and then not really making enough progress. Like I look back at my time in New York and I, I'm very, very happy at the things that I accomplished and the people that I met and uh, the circle of work that I fell into. But I to this day, like I don't really think that I accomplished anything that I'm truly, truly uh proud of and i think that's because i spent a lot of time just trying to to fit a mold and um 
it took me until 29 to be to look back and I've done a lot of reflecting over the past two years as many of us have and I can always trace it back to me just like not being authentic and and true to me that's so. badass brother it's beautiful mm -hmm. uh it is I know I know it has been a journey um because you you've thrown a lot of spaghetti at the wall Right. Yeah. Like it's not like you're like, you're not, you're not like, eh, audition for something next month. No, right? like, no, you're out there. You're hustling. You're putting it out there. You're putting up videos. Some are getting hundreds of thousands of views and some are getting hundreds of views and like, and just, you know, you're, you're fighting algorithms, you're fighting everything. Um, yeah. and, uh, it's, it's been, it's been incredible to watch as your friend. Um, and even, I mean, I've, I've probably known you for four, let's call it four or five years. Um, and so, and that's, that's when we started following each other on, on social media. And mm -hmm. uh, it's just been, it's been incredible. It's been really incredible to watch from, you know, the half of that 10 year journey that I've been able to see. Um, and uh, it's beautiful, right? I mean, so much so uh, that you decided to move out of New York and you said, if you dare to find me, look at, look to the Western sky. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> moved there to LA. Moved to LA. Sorry, you mentioned your girl Talia, and, and we had, had to. to drop something in here. Um, had to. Right? Shout but, out Talia. Shout out Talia. Alpha <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bomb, the national tour just came off. Um, yeah. But uh, but still, man. Uh, but you moved to LA, right? You're like, you know, you're making moves of like, no, this is this is what I'm freaking doing, world. Yep. Um, yep. And you go, you go catch this sauce. Um, yes. and, and my audience, uh, I will find my audience and my audience will find me and we're going to form a beautiful hive and mm -hmm. we go, we go rock it till the wheels fall off. Um, that is, as you know, cause you, you're, you're, you're now just now coming out of it way easier said than done. Um, so many people get stuck, uh, for, for perfectly legitimate reasons and other reasons that are just stories they tell themselves in the, this ain't for me right? This is hard. Yep. This is it. And that's, uh, um, so I, I want to give you kudos, um, for, for, for your stick to itiveness. Um, and, and I agree the pandemic was a really beautifully reflective time of what, yep. what are we doing out here? What matters? Yep. What are we trying to do? It's also a really good time for you to amplify your voice as all we had was the internet to connect. Yep. Um, and, uh, and I think you did a great job of taking advantage of that moment too. Um, and so uh, it's cool because now, Tom, you uh, you are a uh, a musical comedian. Uh, you are a musician who writes co uh, comedic songs. Um, is that how you identify? Would you say a musical comedian? What's 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 your term? What you don't have to put yourself in a box, but you know, put yourself in a box. That's how. If I had to choose a box, that would be it. You can you can tape me up, musical Great. comedian. Sounds good. Yeah. You're in. Uh, I'll poke a couple holes. <clears throat> so, <Nice>. um, <laughs> but uh, this is a uh, this is such a fascinating genre. I grew up listening to Weird Al. Dr. Demento. I had Rodney Dangerfields. I got no respect on vinyl um, and uh, which randomly had some songs on it, which are just terrible. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like a few really shitty songs interdispersed with some, uh, uh, with some really great standup. And, great. Um, but, uh, but so like, but musical comedy has um, outside of theater. I don't know if it's ever gotten the love it deserves. Um, and, uh, and so even just as you talk about, like even acapella sometimes get lumped into a musical comedy of like, eh, it's a little kitschy genre yeah. that, you know, that, that the kids enjoy from there. Everybody goes through their acapella spout, yep. um, but acapella is badass, right? It's still badass. Totally. Um, and, um, so how did you find musical comedy as a genre that you were like, yo, this is not only is this fun, but I think I'm good at it and let's keep going. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, uh, a little while back, music has just been a, a large part of my life since I was a kid. I grew yeah. up after school. We used to go to my buddy Nick's house. He had a basement with a PA bass, drums, guitar, piano. After school, we'd just go and we'd dick around. We'd play covers, play Blink-182 songs. We all taught each other all of these instruments. And mm -hmm. through high school, I did that. And through college, uh, I, I kept playing piano. And so when I found that comedy is what I really wanted to do, and I found comedy through auditioning for musicals in New York, not booking anything, 
and just wanting a creative outlet. And so I made this parody of a Batch the Red audition tape and it, it, it was received well online. And all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, this was creatively fulfilling. Uh, it was my friends thought it was funny. And a lot of people said, make more stuff like this. And so I was like, fuck it. I have nothing to lose. I'm in New York. I'm not, <laughs> give the I'm people not, what they want. give the people what they want. I'm not working in theater. Let's make some stuff. And so when I found comedy, it, it just kind of felt like a natural intersection of like music is the, the one thing that I love most. And now I've fallen in love with this new thing, which is comedy. Why can't we try to make both work? And then obviously I'd been a fan of the lonely Island and, uh adam yeah, sandler yeah. and stephen yeah. lynch and weird al grown up you know like running with scissors was a staple album in my minivan grown up and mm -hmm. so i i used to listen to so much weird al and i knew it was possible but i didn't it wasn't until i found bo burnham that i was like oh this this is like a thing that fly to the concords you know like these guys doing these uh these very and not necessarily obviously not all guys like garfunkel and oates an amazing another amazing duo doing these things that um you know you a blend of two can exist and so i yes. started to make music videos and a lot of it again like because i love to freestyle i love to just mess around and like mm -hmm. just rap with my friends just for fun and the lonely island was doing it a lot of my early stuff was heavily inspired it's like comedic hip-hop just because i found it very easy to write and i thought it was funny for a white dude to rap about pigeons or to rap about tendinitis you know like i, yeah. I felt like i could get away with that and it was just fun to make. Um, and so from there, I started experimenting with different genres. And and now the dream is to, to just basically form uh, some sort of musical comedy brand with, with by myself or with other people or with this new band, Wolves of Glendale, I've been playing with, that can prove that musical comedy is not just a kitschy little thing. Yeah. It's not just a cute yeah. genre. I really want to make it clear commercially and, and in popular in the zeitgeist that like it's possible to have great songs that you would listen to alone that happen to be about really dumb shit mm -hmm. and i i just really want to to make that a well-known thing uh and so that's the goal kind of moving out here to la is to to lean into that yes yes yeah. brother yeah I, you know i'm in um yeah. right i'm 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 drank i've drank this sauce uh yeah. and as, as a freestyle rapper who does you know hip-hop comedy freestyling right like so yeah you know you know i'm you're, you're you're preaching to the choir here but we need to keep preaching so we're going yeah. to um and it's it's uh i think that you pointed out you brought up a couple of uh of individuals that i didn't even list off uh, obviously bo burnham uh incredible um and uh and lonely island i feel like yeah. lonely island has been the closest we've got to legitimacy of this a little yes. bit um and 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 it's it's the contrast of hysterical lyrics over perfect production like right. truly not half-assed incredible sounding expensive videos right like and uh it's that contrast that's almost what makes lonely island even funnier um and it's you know it, it just draws you in um and so uh so a shout out to them uh they're big listeners here but yeah uh, they love the <laughs> so, oh yeah but yeah they're <laughs> kicking in the diner on the regs um but uh but uh yeah i think that's um i, I think that's incredible and you know as someone who also loves hip-hop we also see how in comedy and hip-hop has not always been a good thing either right like ludicrous in my opinion ludicrous is probably in my top five as far as lyricism as far as wordplay as far as flow like and and the ability to to pick incredible production right he always ludicrous always has fire beats under him um but he'll never be put in people's top five because he's too funny right, right? like he like he's just his his wordplay is too comedic and so people will never give him the credit that he is due in my opinion mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Meanwhile, if you've got a song with a ludicrous verse on it, you know it's going to be fire. Um, and uh, and so I don't I don't know if you've sensed that as well. But in hip hop, you know, there's so much of that. Uh, if you are funny in hip hop, you never get the credit you deserve either. Yes. Um, which is why I think someone like Lil Dicky has a really interesting thing going on. Yes. Because he's like I, I he really treads the line of. I'm a legitimate rapper, but I think as a as a white Jewish dude from Sheltonham, I know that like uh, 
this isn't a traditional uh hip hop vibe uh and yep. he he really walks the line like he's obviously a comedic rapper but he's also he has everything that like you mentioned what makes ludicrous great in terms of like yes. fire production amazing wordplay sick flow um but obviously i've heard a lot of like i've seen interviews with rappers that talk shit on lil dicky even though he was in the double xl uh freshman class like mm-hmm. he a lot of people obviously won't take him seriously because of the yep. things that he's doing um I don't really even know where I was going with that, but I, I know what you're saying. Like if yeah. you, if there's an element of comedy sprinkled on top of it, people aren't going to put you in the same tier as Nas or, uh, or Kendrick or, you know, some yep. of the, the greats that people consider some of the best to do it, regardless of how good your flow is and your, how good your writing is in your production. Correct. So, and I could yeah. listen to Lil Dicky freestyles all day. I mean, he's written stuff as well. Um, it's just wild wild yeah. amount of talent um but when we also see it in uh i'm sure if we were to if we were to i'm sure someone has run these numbers but if you look at the who's gotten the oscars for best actor and best actress they're nine times out of ten if not more um people from dramas as opposed to people from comedies um yeah. comedy as a whole is just not as respected even though it's harder Right. Um, uh, and I don't just say that as like a bitter comedian. It's like, no, this is hard. You guys, right? right. Like it's, it just truthfully is. And you talk right. to most actors and they'll all tell you comedy is harder than drama. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, anyway, we can, we could probably come down off our high horse right now. I think we've made our <laughs> point, but, uh, but still, but one more thing, no, one more um, thing. <laughs> hold my gimlet. Um, well. that was a callback. So, um, <laughs> Comedy. That was yeah. easy. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah. So, uh-huh. but I love that. Uh, that's one of the biggest reasons uh, for you getting out to LA and and for really just you smashing the gas on it um, and adding legitimacy. You get on to you get the opportunity with American Idol. Um, was that just wild? Like, what was that? Was that like, it's got to be a crazy experience. It was like, what the hell am I actually doing here? Yeah, that, um, was, right? that was trippy. <laughs> Definitely trippy. I don't consider myself a singer, a vocalist yeah. at all, which is why I've never, I, I love to sing, but I'm not a singer like some of my friends in New York are. I'm not a vocalist first, you know, I'm a jack of uh, all trades, master of none type. And so I never auditioned for American Idol or The Voice or anything like that because I'm not an idiot and I'm not a, I'm not uh, having delusions <laughs> of grandeur here. I know that that's not for me. And so when I got the opportunity to do it because of a TikTok that had popped off, casting reached out to me directly and was like, hey, we're coming out of the pandemic in this season. We want things to be a little lighter. Would you be willing to come on and, uh, and audition and join, maybe do something fun? And I was like, yeah, why the hell not? It's a pandemic. <laughs> Life is short. Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, right. And so at the time, I had been writing these jingles, which long story short, I started in the pandemic to try to spread some good vibes and and make a little extra money. I offered to just write custom songs for people about any occasion, birthdays, you know, send a message to a roommate, tell somebody you love them kind of thing. Uh, I did that for a number of months and they caught some traction online. I got a little write up on people.com, which is very cool. And so Idol found that after finding my TikTok and we're like, Hey, it'd be fun if you wrote a jingle for the judges. And I was like, great. And so I, I did, uh, I went with the premise of like, um, things that my mom told me about all of you guys. She found out that I was auditioning yeah. for American <laughs> Idol. And so she went on Wikipedia and, and read all about all of the things that Lionel, mm-hmm. Katie and Luke have done. And I just put like random little pieces of trivia into a 60 second song and I sang it. And then I got to fly to LA and I got to sing it in front of them. And I made eye contact with Luke Bryan and Lionel Richie and Katy Perry. And it was crazy. Uh, <laughs> Lionel Richie gave me a standing ovation after I sang the jingle. It was just fuck. It was fucking wild, man. It was so cool. What is? And you were uh, like, hello, is it me you're looking for? I was like, yeah, I was like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Lionel. Let me sing your song to you. Uh, it was very cool. You know, like I, I don't think that I... Uh, the whole American Idol crew is amazing. I don't think that I would do it again because reality TV is a lot of puppeteering and it's a lot of like framing the way that they want to frame things. Like yeah. I was in the room for 17, 18 minutes. They cut the audition down to two and then they underscored it with some like derpy pizzicato string music at the end. To <laughs> It just didn't, I wasn't like super jazzed on how things turned out. Yeah. But what the cool part was that was in October. Fast forward to May for the finale 
producers reach out to me again and they say, Hey, we want to fill time in the finale. You were one of the first people that we talked about because we had such a great time hanging out with you and we loved your song. Would you want to write a season summary song that summarizes the whole season four? And then we'll fly you back out and we'll pay you SAG after union rate to perform this song on the finale stage. And I was like, fuck yeah, why not? This is, <laughs> Who was saying this is no great. to this? Exactly. Was, <laughs> and, no, I don't know. I think no, I no, no. I, I think I got it. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm supposed to eat <laughs> eggs at 11 p.m. In, in Midtown. I can't do it. Uh, what was cool is the producers even prefaced the call with like, if you don't hate us after how your audition was aired, we'd love to have you back on. And, you know, that mm-hmm. was just a nice thing of them to, to say. And yeah. So I did that and that was fun. And um, yeah, man, it was just like a really that was like a, a bucket list thing that I didn't even know I had intended to do. It's very yeah. cool. For sure. And, th- and there's no such thing as bad press, right? Uh, with, no. with a few exceptions. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, what an incredible opportunity to put your talent on display to legitimize it. And you know, just like, again, just like it's just amplification of your badassery. Um, and yeah. what a what a cool opportunity. Um, and so we do idle, um, uh, and, and then we, we make the move to LA. I know you said you just got out of boxes recently, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, which is always fun. Um, and, uh, tell me about the wolves of Glendale, this, this yeah. new band that you're a part of. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been a lot of fun so far, man. They're the, my bandmate, my bandmates are named uh, Ethan and Eric, and they were in a successful comedy band out here called The Cooties for four or five years. Strong um, name. Strong name. Strong band. They wrote very, very funny songs. And I found out about them in quarantine because someone had tagged a Cootie song and a Tom McGovern song in a story, and then I dug into all their stuff, and I was like, holy shit, finally a band that like emphasizes musicality with the comedy to match. Like They were really well-produced, well-written very funny songs with like 90 second like beautifully written solo breaks for no reason and then they go back into like talking about uh you know like going to a coffee shop and taking a dump you know it's like this is this is amazing (laughs) this is it (laughs) this is it this is mom this is what i want to be proud of i want to write songs like that and uh i I messaged Ethan on Instagram. I was like, Hey man, if I ever get out to LA, this is before I even knew I was moving. I would love to like, I love what you guys are doing. I'd love to like hang out or or write something together. Fast forward to me moving. I meet up with Ethan. We become very, very fast friends. Just kind of like brother from another mother situation. We we start writing. We're having a great time. It's, it feels very easy. And then uh, the cooties parted ways last month. And uh, I got together with Eric and Ethan and we jammed and it was just very, very, right away it was just easy like we wrote a song the first time that we jammed and it felt really fun and and uh you know they having just left the cooties were eager to do something new and and so we just started kind of playing and and we've only played two shows so far because we literally this is like week three of Wolf right, of yeah. that's pretty you good know? <laughs> yeah not bad not bad uh ethan's a ethan's a go-getter in terms of booking and i love that i love yeah. that uh, we, we, you know, we've written two songs, two and a half songs. We played both of these shows and it's been, the reception has been great. And then, uh, uh, we're just excited to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love yeah. that. That's great. Now. So, um, for you, uh, where do you, where do you get, uh, where do your nerves get, uh, tweaked the most in a cool way? Uh, is it the writing process? Is it the performing? Like what, it, what is it? What is it for you? Where do you, where do you think you get the most hype right now? It's the writing process for sure, because yeah. I, um, yeah, I've never played in a comedy band before like this. I, I did some duo writing with one of the most talented people that I've ever met. His name is Nate Hopkins. And we did a thing in, in New York for a while called Tom and Nate, which is like a musical comedy duo. We, we wrote some songs and writing with one other person felt more natural to me. I'd always written alone because I just didn't, I was sick of like trying to organize things and having people flake. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just do it myself. Like I'll just write everything, produce yeah. everything by myself. And that's fine. But there's mm-hmm. a ceiling there unless you're a superhuman like Bo Burnham or, and I'm sure he also had some help along the way. So writing with Nate felt very easy too. And we had, we spoke the same language in a lot of ways, but then getting into the room with the wolves of Glendale, they, Eric and, and Ethan have a very similar voice. They've known each other for 10 years. They played in a band together for five years. 
it feels like a writer's room and I've never been in a, in a formal writer's room where yeah. like we're just like sitting down playing shit and just pitching, 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 trying to find the absolute funniest lyric for this part of the song. And even at this stage, it feels intimidating to me and it gets my nerves yeah. going because it's just like I'm not super comfortable with just like the fearless pitching of ideas yet. And I think it's something that'll come <laughs> with time, but it's been a huge learning experience even just for the month that we've been doing this. Yeah. Yeah. The performing feels easy, like getting up on stage and playing the songs. I cannot wait to do that. I don't get nerves. I just get like the excited butterflies. I'm not like, right, oh yeah. shit, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. It's just like I can't fucking wait to do this. Those good nerves, you know? yeah, yeah. Good those, nerves. those, yeah. Those say our names, Dave. I don't want to get on the stage. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I totally hear that. That's beautiful, man. And that's I love how you described that writers' room. That is such an interesting moment that you described where it's like I'm around people and we're, we're working together and we're pitching stuff to each other, but there's still that, that insecurity. Um, and because it's new to you, you're new to them. And this is just, it's just weird. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is why, this is why like writing groups and why, um, uh, you know, things like that, where we find people who are working on similar projects to us matter they push us we don't just settle we don't just say ah, i think i'm done for the day we don't just you know whatever it is it's you know being a part of those crews whatever it is right if you're someone who makes knives you forge knives right like hang out with other people who forge knives yeah. um, and and hang out with you know people who throw pottery and hang out with people who whatever like like you have to get around some of those folks because uh, I mean, it's, it's the, the cliche thing that they say, I, I never want to be the smartest person in the room, right? Yep. It's the same idea. Um, and uh, I think it's cool that your nerves are fired up in that moment, because that means that means you're standing on the edge of something special. Yeah, right. Like, you don't we don't. Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, th I think that's I think that's great. A friend of mine likes to say, if you're not standing on the edge, then you're taking up too much room. Hey, um and uh and uh and i appreciate that that you've realized that and you've you've stepped into it and leaned into it as a way to elevate what has already been success um and so uh i'm hyped for you brother thanks man that's very that's very nice of you to say that that means a lot and i i like the way you put it it's, it's uh or the, the way your friend put it you're taking up too much space if you're not on the edge so that's very cool yeah yeah Tom, it's been a damn pleasure getting to kick it in the diner with you, uh, my yeah. guy. Dude, this has been great. My clothes are going to smell like potatoes and oil for 10, <laughs> 10 hours. <laughs> and you're welcome. Thank uh, you. That leads us to our next sponsor. Uh, no. <laughs> no um, canola oil. Canola oil. <laughs> Downey. Um, Downey. Yeah. So, uh, brother, let people know where they can find you. Where can they find the Wolves of Glendale? Um, and and just let people know how they can experience uh, some of your hystericalness. Yeah, you can find me across socials, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at Tom McGovern 27 You can find the Wolves of Glendale on Instagram, at Wolves of Glendale. We have two posts because, again, we are in our infancy, but uh, stay tuned. We'll be posting about shows. We're playing all over LA and uh, we'll do an East Coast run. Hopefully, if things pan out, August, September. So keep an eye out for that. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Brother, so cool getting to know you better. I appreciate you, man. We had some real fun similarities. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this was this was special, like like I knew it would be, man. Thank you. Yeah. I, dude, thank you so much for having me on. You're a great dude. And uh, I just love, love your energy. And this is very cool. I really appreciate you having me. Let's go. Let's go. Y'all, that was my time with my man, Tom McGovern from the Wolves of Glendale. You got to check this band out. I know I got to check this band out, but I love the journey that he talked about. This idea that, you know, someone said, eh, that sounds like it's going to be hard or nobody makes it if you do that. And then you realize there's just something burning inside of you that's like, no, this is what I got to do. What voices are you pushing down because you think it's what you're supposed to do where there's not going to be success or it's not traditional. You know, what are the, some of those voices that you can allow to sing, start a hobby, start a side hustle, start something like that. You don't have to just quit your job and, and tell your family, that's it. We're getting in an RV. But if you want to do that, do it too. But either way, it was just so cool listening to Tom. And, and I love that he's, uh, 
he's fighting against the stream. A good friend, a, a quote that's very famous that I did not say, and I don't know who did, but it's only dead fish go with the flow. Um, and I love that Tom is out here going against the flow and using his brilliance to make other people smile. Uh, it's just dope. Thank you so much for hanging out with Tom and I in the diner. And the next time, my friends, you're faced with an awkward small talk conversation. Do my fa- do me do me a favor. Punch it in the face by asking better questions. I appreciate you all. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Y'all, it was so much fun kicking it in the diner with you. And I would say our timing was right about perfect because I just finished the last few drops of my milkshake. <laughs> Listen, y'all, you would do my self-esteem a huge favor if wherever you listen to podcasts, if you could leave a rating, if you could subscribe, if you could leave a comment, a review, anything like that, that is how we get this podcast into more people's ears. And if you want to stay in touch with the podcast elsewhere, we are Diner Talks with James on Instagram. Pretty original, huh? I agree. Also, if you want to hang out with me, Just individually on more places, I am James T. Robo all over the internet. Y'all had a blast with you. I appreciate you. Take care and stay great.